Hi there, and welcome to the first, 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 first episode of The Sherry Show. I've been thinking about making a podcast for more than a year. In fact, it was on my to-do list in 2020, but you know, we all know what happened with 2020, so we're not holding ourselves to any of those goals, right? But I'm making good on that goal this year, so I'm, I'm going to commit to a whole season of this podcast and see where it goes, a whole season of eight episodes, and then, you know, we'll see where it goes after that. The Sherry Show is a show of conversations that I will host. Uh, the conversations will largely be about things that I like to rave and rant about, like books, television shows, movies, politics, and, you know, really just anything of the day that happens to catch my fancy. I'll be talking with a variety of people, um, people in my household, people in your household, maybe even you. If there's something that you want to talk with me about on The Sherry Show, please, please feel free to reach out. We got some episodes to make. In the first couple of episodes, though, I'll be talking with my partner, Andy, and my sister, Lisa, about our household social distancing film festival. Back in March last year, a couple days into the COVID lockdown, we started watching movies together. Each week since then, we'd pick a movie, maybe um, three to two to three movies each week. Um, and so, you know, we'd, we'd end up watching. And so since then, we've watched about 110 movies, more or less, since last March. On this week's episode, then, at our inaugural episode, I'll be talking with Lisa and Andy about which of these 110 movies were our favorites, which were the best of all. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. sitting down with well we I'm here sitting down with Lisa and Andy we are going to finally hash out this social distancing film festival well I guess more than we've been hashing it out before but I asked them to make a note of the films that were their favorite three to five three to five that were their least favorite and three to five that were the most surprising ones. We've watched a hundred and hundred and ten, hundred and ten movies to date. Um, I've walked out on a couple. Lisa's walked out on a couple. Um, and Andy and I have watched about a hundred and ten films to date. Um, and we started maybe a couple days into the lockdown in March. So. Lisa, do you want to start by telling us, we're going to start with our favorites, um, you know, on, a, on, 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 an, on an upbeat, <laughs> on an upbeat note. What were your favorites? Um, so I had a, a more than five favorites. So I'll just, I'll say my five, my top five. So my most favorite was Diana Kennedy's Nothing Fancy. Oh, tell us about Diana Kennedy's Nothing <coughs> Fancy. Well, it's about the chef and documentarian Diana Kennedy, who has lived in Mexico and traveled throughout Mexico documenting and teaching about Mexican cuisine and uh, making Mexican cuisine. And it just 
was a really beautiful film showing just her passion for the cuisine and the respect that um, Mexicans have for her uh, for just educating the world on their cuisine. She's really as authentic. She tries to stay as, as close to the authentic um, recipe as possible. So she really does garner a lot of respect that way. So Diana Kennedy is nothing fancy. I also, there's going to be a theme to the ones that I like. Most of the ones that I liked are the food ones. Well, let's, let's, let's see if Andy can tell us what's like at the top of his list. So okay. Lisa really, really liked the food documentaries. Early on when we started doing this, I think the first six movies that Lisa picked, um, we did a rotation where we would, um, we would kind of, we would all get one pick each week. And so for about six of Lisa's picks, we were watching food documentaries. So I'm guessing those are going to be um, featured in our top five. And so if you really, really like the food stuff, Lisa is really, Lisa's list is one to pay attention to. But how about you, Andy? What was at the top of your list? Um, at the top of my list, um, you know, I really liked all five movies in the Small Axe series, although I think at the end of the day, probably um, my top three were all Latin American movies. And so it, it's I think in order, like number one is uh, Lucretia Mortel's La Cienaga. Tell us what book tells about La Cienaga. La Cienaga by Lucretia Mortel, 2001 Argentine film. Um, and, you know, I guess it was, you know, in some ways it could go on the most surprising list um, just because, you know, if you don't know about Lucretia Mortel's movies, you don't know what you're missing. She is really one of the, the kind of all-time great directors in the history of cinema. Um, and La Cienaga is, you know, sort of amazingly her first feature, and it's it's just about um, upper middle class Argentinians behaving very badly, um, uh, and in a kind of you know literally careless manner. Um, it ends with with the probable death of a child. Um, no spoilers. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but it's just, it's really kind of like remarkably shot movie. And so, you know, I think it was, um, it was the one that I kind of, um, but it's a very strongly, I think, you know, anti-imperialist film in interesting ways. Um, doesn't kind of, um, doesn't kind of mince uh, words about who the bad guys are and... I think, you know, it sort of surprises you um, by flipping horror movie tropes and, uh, you know, has some investment in the cathartic power of violence, I guess I would say, is interesting as well. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, that's consistent across some of these Latin American films that we watched through there is that other one, Canoa, but also had this... That was what, my third. Yeah, 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 yeah. That has like a kind of inverse, or is it inverse, or just like... It's, it's a different sense of the catharsis of, of violence, right, um, than Baccarat does. But I, I sort of feel like the two are definitely in, in conversation in the same way about the, the mob violence. What's, what's your third? I'm going to move away from the food topic, even though I do have another, um, another food, <laughs> food one on my list. But I'm going to move away from the food topic for a bit and say that my third favorite one was the 40-year-old version. 
40-year-old version was was a good one. I, I, I like that one. Andy is, you can't see Andy doing the little eye roll there. So we, we, we may have a little bit of debate here about um, the 40-year-old version. But that's one of, it's not on my list, but it was one of the ones that I really enjoyed as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the 40-year-old version. Um, as a 40-year-old, I could really relate to her on some <laughs> level, you know. Um, and also, just given career slumps and trying to reinvent yourself and trying to look for or not trying to look for but just the concept of of love you know popping up and being open to that I really liked it because she she reminded me of myself in some ways version a little disappointing just in the big climax which I thought cheated a little bit in, in what it's trying to be critical of um, the protagonist is a playwright who is who's kind of like in some ways disenchanted with um, a theater scene where where versions of black poverty porn are popular with uh, white liberal audiences and so, you know, kind of at the big climax, she she rejects that, but what she offers in place is a kind of version of upbraiding the audience, which in the film is supposed to be kind of like shocking and, and does the work of kind of like rescuing her from the kind of cycle of white enjoyment. Um, but that seems to me, you know, sort of like exactly the kind of thing that would go down just as well with the audience that she's criticizing. Um, you know, and so in some ways, like I thought, you know, there, there was a much more um, interesting take on on black theater. Um, you know, if you want a kind of like cinematic take on black theater recently, um, a, a movie that's not on any of my list, but that I really enjoyed quite a bit, which was The Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's, that's one of the ones that we watched, too. Um, yeah, it's not it's not on my list either. But I think I think that's really interesting here that um, that that we came into conflict with too whenever we watched films and, 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 and you know one of us found ourselves enjoying a film a little bit more than the others or or somebody recommended a film that was just terrible <laughs> um, or that everybody else thought it was terrible are the ways that we, we we figured out that we look for very different things in these movies, right? So just even in the breakdown of, of Lisa explaining about the 40-year-old version being something that very much is about a relatability um, to the protagonist versus you know Andy thinking about the politics of of, of, of how things fall in, in, in the climax of the movie. These are some of the moments that you know became super interesting to think about each other as watchers and how we how we end up processing these things, right? Um, I like the forty year old version too. I liked a lot of the um, the joy in it there was a lot of joy even Mm. in um the disappointments and the self-invention and you know at the risk of cliched like there's a lot of black joy in that movie that um that i think is tremendously or was tremendously worthwhile in the moment that we ended up watching it um and so yeah that was that's one of my favorites too it didn't make like my 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 top five list but i really really like that one as well um where am I? Who's who's next? What else do we got? What else do we have in terms of movies that we liked? My fourth on the list was Soul. Oh. 
Yeah, I really liked Soul. I liked the treatment of the characters. I liked the story. Um, it was refreshing, you know? It was refreshingly hopeful and... Um, it wasn't, I didn't think it was very cliche. Um, some might disagree, but I, I thought it was, it was a new take on um, upliftment, you know? And um, the black voices also were great to hear and to see the black characters. Um, yeah, I really liked that one a lot. Yeah, so it was very good. Um, I mean, it's probably, you know, I would say probably like the best kind of, what was supposed to be like a big theatrical release in 2020 that ended up streaming. Mm -hmm. um, like the best one that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really, I mean, like, like when I picked my top three, um, I picked films that I hadn't seen before, although some of this was kind of like watching ones, you know, that we had seen before in some cases. Um, and, you know, I still, um, there was a long kind of like struggle to get you guys to watch Children of Men because of the pandemic. Um, we finally watched it. Yeah, one uh, of the early one of the early rules of um, pandemic social distancing film festival watching was that there could not be any movies about pandemics um, or plagues or anything like that. And I was the first one to break that rule inadvertently. <laughs> inadvertently, what was the movie? It was um, it was a Korean one. Um, Host. host. It was the host. Yeah. It was and the I remember host. saying, "We said we no, said. <laughs> no pandemic movies." Uh, you know, Although but, that that was on my most surprising list, yeah. I didn't think it was as disturbing as I thought it would have. Children of Men. No, the host. The host. The host. Yeah. 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 No, I mean oh, the host is a great movie too. <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, we finally watched Children of Men, and I just, you know, I um, I mean, I stand by my take that it's like one of the five or ten best movies of all time. It's a really good movie. <laughs> I don't know, it's like it's interesting to think about like you know my own list when I came up with it I wasn't necessarily Andy likes to think about things in terms of like the best period um and I feel like I have a more subjective sense of what is what is best so it's like it's the best movie for me um I like it <laughs> as a are you gonna to, tell us what your movies are I, I I will but I don't know how to get my notes back right now um so they're in your notes. I can't pull notes up because um, <laughs> okay. Garage Band is up. Um, my favorite ones, Baccarat was also a favorite of mine. Um, Baccarat was a favorite of mine because of how it 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 it, it does that flip, um, um, and it, it it is that really um, on the nose anti-imperialist critique that. Um, Spoiler alert! It, it 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 really does let the let the small guy win, um, in in some really satisfying ways. Like you know, we come to think about this was like the year where we we thought more and more about what was satisfying about violence. Like with Lovecraft Country, for example, um, what's the uses of violence and how how that violence can be, you know, cathartic in some other ways that we see it happening. And I think what's super interesting too is like in Latin American film, this is stuff that was happening like long before mm -hmm. it, it kind of made it into American television and, um, and filmmaking too. So um, yeah, that kind of catharsis of the violence and a, a communal catharsis of violence, like it felt right out of the pages of Fanon in a lot of ways. It was 
um, it was very satisfying. <laughs> um, Deep Crimson, which um, a lot of our recommendations for the Latin American films came from our colleague and dear friend Ignacio Sanchez Prado, who is a, um, a Latin American scholar who, um, who does film studies among many, many, many other things. And a lot of these recommendations came from, from Nacho. Um, at one point when we were like deep in our Indian phase, not just this like, <laughs> you guys should watch some Latin American movies. They're yeah. um, on so, a roll there. Yeah. And so surprisingly, like I got really mad about Deep Crimson because there's a very disturbing scene at the end. It was very hard. There is, um, and again, another spoiler. Um, there, Don't give that spoiler. And he's shaking his head. There's a disturbing scene at the end, and it disturbed all of us um, in a way that was 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 really unsettling. But I like Deep Crimson a lot because I feel like as a Bonnie and Clyde story, it's one of the most interesting Bonnie and Clyde stories that I've seen. There's something about the way that it mixes the macabre and the comedic <laughs> is that's just really. Um, you know, it hits my sweet spot that, you know, I'm in that place where I really like dark comedy um, or I find myself drawn. I don't know if I like dark comedy, but I find myself drawn to dark comedy in those ways. So Deep Crimson was um, my... I mean, a lot of that is to set you up for, for the disturbing scene. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you, you are you are kind of lulled into an enjoyment um, and then mm, this really sneak it up on you. yeah this really horrifying thing happens and it implicates you. I feel like I like films that implicate you in um, in, in 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 some ways. I feel like that part of um, drawing the reader, the watcher into the action is something that I'm. Because you're kind of accomplice. Yeah, you're stuck with us. Yeah, now yeah. here, here, <laughs> look at this. Enjoy that now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you got any others, Lisa, that you really liked? Yeah, my final one, going back to the food, was Babette's Feast. Mm-hmm. I really like Babette's Feast. Um, and food was a character. I think, I think in all of the, the films that I like about food, food is an actual character in the film mm-hmm. that's separate and apart from the actual actors' actors. And in Babette's Feast, there's a scene at the end which just shows this feast literally you know given the name that um it she prepares and it's the most joyful scene that i've ever watched of eating and enjoyment and of just supreme um life giving food you know Mm. that just gives you joy Mm -hmm. um and from that joy comes camaraderie and friendship, and um, it's all leading up to that that particular scene. And it, it's really a beaut- it's beautifully shot, and the austerity of the set and you know where it's the location just adds to. And the diners too, right? Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. these like pur- puritanic, yeah. um, religious people who have vowed not to speak at all during not the to meal. enjoy life and not to enjoy the meal yeah. and so like they sit down to this really incredible french french dinner and are just completely undone by by the joy of food yeah. <laughs> and just that scene of the the food coming into this place you know being yeah. shipped in and you're like what is that 
what is that and how she prepares it in these ways yeah. that are true to French cuisine just rich and mm-hmm. delicious and almost um, what's the word that I'm looking for sinful hmm decadent 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 yeah. Um, it would be sinful for the for the diners because of of how much enjoyment they they experienced by. But you know, like they say, chocolate cake is sinful. It's so good that it's too. It has good. to be bad. Yeah, it has to be bad <laughs> for this thing to be so good. It's the enjoyment factor of it too. So my third film is. Um, my third favorite film is Hyenas, 1992. It's, um, it's a Senegalese director, Jibril Diop Mambete. Um, he also did Tukibuki. Hyena in the title. What? Hyena in the title again. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right. Um, I think he has the thing where he is very much um, preoccupied with the impact of colonization on Senegal and what that looks like both in independent and um, colonial spaces. And so the thing that I really like about Hyenas are the ways that his cinematography got all the more stylized. Like there were a lot more still and striking images in that one that I really enjoyed. Um, So yeah, that was my third favorite film and I mean nobody has really mentioned Atlantic says like a favorite film but um that was not a, was did we watch Atlantics was that in the yeah, yeah. the film festival mm-hmm. really yeah mm-hmm. wow we did watch that um and, and you know yeah because Chabril Diop no is the uncle of Maddie Diop who directed Atlantics yeah, and then there's that, um, is that also, I didn't add that one to the list also. What is it? 64 shots of rum. 35 shots of rum. 30, 35 shots <laughs> of <64. laughs> so a lot 35. more shots of rum than you should be uh, having. Denis, which stars which Maddie stars Diop. Diop. Um, but also still kind of um, set in a different place, but I, I also think meditative in some very similar ways. Well, and Claire Denis is born in Africa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like those consistencies, when you watch as many movies as we have in the last year, one of the coolest things too is to, to see where some of these consistencies are. And so like Atlantics, for example, after watching Hyenas, um, and then last night we watched Tukibuki, it becomes very obvious what, um, what Maddie Diop is in conversation visually with there in thinking about the connections between a post-colonial society and Europe, the images of the sea and, and all of that are um, are all there as consistencies across across them. So when you think about your selections for favorites, um, before we before we start to have our conversation about the ones that we didn't like <laughs> so much, um, what are some of the criteria? Like what are the what are the way what are the things about movies that make them end up on this first part of your list as favorite movies? Um, well, you can probably tell that relatability um, is is top of among my top things. You know, if I can relate to a character, or <clears throat> or if it relates to something that I'm passionate about, like food, um, 
or spirituality like in soul you know these are all personal passions and things that i i incorporate into my life that give me joy mm -hmm. so when i'm able to tap into that experience on screen it's it's um transportative i guess um and the diana kennedy um nothing fancy i think would be my top pick because she sort of she in her authenticity she's able to live her life as authentically as she can while using her platform to elevate something diana kennedy is goals yeah yeah she's yeah. definitely goals diana kennedy is goals yeah i think at the end of that film i was like i want to do that yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 how about you andy what do you what do you think are the things that keep coming back as the factors that will determine whether or not a film is one of your all-time favorites or not? Because, I mean, you got Wicker Man in your pile, so. Not where Wicker Man I'm happy to watch. Um, no, I mean, you know, I just, I think I generally like sort of being shown the range of what film can do um, you know, and I, I mean, we don't test that too much because we've got a kind of like rough hour and a half to two hour limit on these movies, <laughs> you know, so we're not going to watch like Stalker, um, by Tarkovsky, which has, you know, like a two hour sequence of grass blowing. Um, not literally. Yeah, no, we could just like drive through Kansas for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I do. Take a road trip. Yeah. I do like that feeling of kind of, you know, like sort of like seeing the different kinds of things. You know, and I, I kind of want to say, like, I like movies that think through things formally rather than hitting you over the head, although mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I really enjoyed Small Axe, and one of the things I like about Small Axe is it's actually very didactic mm -hmm. um, in its politics. That's at C.L.R. James, who's sitting here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... Or like the the um the, the, the Rastaman in prison who's gonna tell hmm. you about revolutionary philosophy or give you revolutionary philosophy to read so that you can you can, you know, Survive. remake yourself. Yeah, and you know, and I really like that. Um so you know, I guess I, I'm weirdly sort of like torn in what I like. Like I do like the didactic stuff on some level, um, if it's smartly didactic. But but then I think, you know, kind of like watching the films, like I just kind of like um you know, being shown a kind of, like, different way that, you know, like, a film could go about doing something. And so, you know, like, the thing I liked about Tukibuki was, like, just a very intense use of um, diegetic and non-diegetic sound on the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. um, Can you break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, it's just, like, there's always a lot of stuff going on uh, on the soundtrack, um, and some of it is kind of, like, street noise, and some of it is music. I mean, it's got a very kind of, I think, ahead of its time use of um, a particular French song. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the one about Paris. Yeah. Paris, Paris, Paris. 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 Surrounding the couple who's, who's thinking about, you know, moving to France. Um, yeah. uh, I, like, I like movies, too, that you kind of have to figure out. Um, I mean, the payoff has to be there at the end, too, in some ways. Um, I, I think Lisa likes those films, too. Like, there was Picnic at Hanging Rock isn't on um, isn't on our list, but, like, there was... It was one of the first movies, like, that, that I, can, I can remember Lisa being just like, 
this is what is happening. This is what's going on now. And the yeah, rest of that us one was like a kind of sitting, trying to a worm boring into your brain. Yeah, because you know there's something there's there. There's something going on, and like, but what they, is it? It's like actively trying to. It's it's films that are. I, I like movies too that are that are non um, didactic and also that are visually oriented in ways that force you to figure out what they're doing. Um, and so yeah, those are some of the things that I like. What was that film that we watched that was about the family that was Dog Tooth. Dog Tooth, that's not on here. No, I put it. I put it. I put it. I put it. Okay. I did. It was missing. It, it was missing. Mm-hmm, it was missing. Mm-hmm. Um that was it, Dog it, Tooth. It didn't yep. end up getting on there. I don't think I I don't think I posted it. Um but yeah, that was that one's on my surprising list. Yeah. Um mine too. That's also one of like the trying to figure out um, what's 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 going on in that one? Um, so that's our favorites list. If you look below in the details of the episode, we will have the lists in case you want to check out some of the food movies that Lisa talked about or the Latin American ones that Andy talked about. And I don't know. There's no real thread to the ones that I talked about, <laughs> but. Um, I will put a list of our favorites um, at the in the in the episode details. So, until next time. Thank you to Lisa and Andy for talking to us. But you'll hear them again when we come back to talk about the worst ones, mm-hmm. ones that we did not like. Mm-hmm. So we hope you come back for that one.